Wow, it's been... Lock it up. I don't it's, hear you guys. It's been just a minute. It's been nine minutes. All right. Hot dang. Matt, you want to introduce it? Yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Beyond the Sale podcast. My name is Matt, and I work in the customer service department. And I'm joined by Joe from the owning the company department and David from the master technician department. And today, we're going to be talking about how coronavirus has affected our business. Coronavirus, pretty serious stuff. Obviously, a lot of different companies have been affected by this, these issues, including Apple, including any other big manufacturers. A lot of parts are being pushed back, a lot of delays everywhere. And the way it has affected us so far is one of the things we pride ourselves on is going to the root, going to the companies that actually make the parts that we use. And because of that, most of them are located in China. And uh, we've built our supply chain to a point where we can get directly to a specific company that has a specific wire or tape or part. And all those companies, if they don't, if they're not in business, if they're closed for the last two months, it makes it really difficult for us to be able to one, order parts and two, get parts from there. So it's been really difficult for us to be able to get parts. Luckily, we have a little bit of a stock of parts. China went on vacation for a couple different a couple weeks, and that's very normal. We always prepared for that because they go on vacation for three weeks. But then they took an additional month vacation, and that really kind of screwed a lot of our different parts situations up. And it seems like it's messed up with a lot of different other parts. I know a lot of people in different industries have been having issues getting parts basically if you don't have the parts you can't assemble things so it definitely has affected us it's one of those random things that i never thought in my life i'd be part of something where you have a virus it's like watching one of those netflix documentaries where that's like the doomsday preppers in They're 1933 all, the, yeah. the, da, 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 like crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> david's really elaborate response <laughs> yeah david how has it affected you uh well for the technicians, I guess, how it would affect us, the services that come in, we need parts for. And a lot of them are so like special special edition parts that we get from China. And uh, what I saw you doing was going to the services and running through them before we even get confirmations from the customers mm -hmm. to... Uh, so that they're not waiting as long for the parts to arrive. Exactly. Like we don't nice. we, we don't have those in stock, so we have to use other methods to find parts. Yeah, we basically have to pay five times as much for parts and then use our U.S. suppliers rather than going directly to China, which is kind of our value add is to go directly to the to the um, to the yeah vendors or directly to the manufacturers. But basically, either way, you're getting the customer, you know, exactly what they need. And even though it costs five times as much, it's like, well, we we need to do this. So yeah. we got to make it work. So exactly. one of my main questions then was like how. So as a lean company, obviously, one of the you know, what's a, something that's a waste is having inventory. And so we try to keep as little inventory as possible. So in the just taking coronavirus entirely out of account like have you noticed like for instance last year during lunar new year when china goes away for a few weeks like do you do we usually keep enough parts on hand to cover that time or do you order extras around that time like how does what does that look like what sort of changes do you make around lunar new year so it's always a little bit trippy uh, we ordered some orders before chinese new years and they didn't ship them out mm. and then they still haven't shipped them out so there's always a mix between, you know, we do order enough of certain vital parts, 
for that period of time, three weeks. You know, we don't want to have a lot of stock, so we'll get a certain amount of something. But we definitely did not prepare for that additional yeah. two month lead time on anything important, which is obviously a big, you know, big defect. We talk about improvements, defects, change points every day. It's a big defect when we don't have an overstock of certain vital parts. So as an improvement on that, to to make sure that this doesn't happen again, we're gonna preemptively purchase three times as much parts during that period of time. Gotcha. And now we put certain stickers on Kanban cards, which are our reorder cards for vital parts. And we also raised all our Kanban levels as well. So we did kind of two different things where we made the cards have specific stickers, which means they're vital parts. And two, we made the reorder point about twice as high and our order quantity about twice as high. So that's really the only things we can do is order more and order sooner. Yeah. And that, that's definitely things that have changed. Yeah. So if you, you're planning to then order, is that going to, that change just for like, say you're in, end of December, you're going to order that? Or are you thinking every month from here on out, we're going to order more parts? Every month here on out we have, because we have okay. reset the levels. Gotcha. So now all the levels are much sooner and much larger. Gotcha. And because of that, it, just in case there's another worldwide virus, we'll have the ability to still purchase parts at a really competitive price, go directly to the source, and then not have to worry about China just kind of screwing everyone. Thank mm-hmm. you. I heard something interesting. And somebody said, when the world's manufacturer stops manufacturing, it stops the world. The world's second largest economy yeah. stopped producing. Yeah, there's even, I was reading some reports of how, like, we're an electronics company, but China's economy is obviously fairly large, and it's shut down tourism in Thailand and, like, large parts of Asia. It affected, like, copper exports from Chile, just, like, all this crazy stuff that's been happening. Like, there's so many people affected by it, that just China being shut down. And, like, even one of the other things that I was reading about is communications with suppliers were kind of dodgy and so like they either wouldn't reply or they try to get you like put money down on something yeah and like have you have either of you experienced i don't know david how much you communicate with suppliers or or people or people in china but like have you we joe okay yeah have you experienced any funny stories or like just strange odd communications with yeah, at, at a certain point, I thought about how far our suppliers were dead from the coronavirus. <laughs> so that's kind of my experience with it. And when you email someone, you know, five, six, seven times and they don't respond over a month and a half, you kind of become a little concerned. We have a specific tape that we get made in our favorite country, China. And those guys didn't get back to me for about a month and a half. And typically, most suppliers will keep up with you. But it's a matter of if you're dealing directly with the manufacturer or if you're dealing with a distributor. Because the distributors are usually really good about getting back to you. But the manufacturers, everyone was shut down. No one could even go into the factory to respond to their emails, right? Dang. And that's, I guess, that was the issue or something I didn't understand. But, yeah, I, at a certain point, and even now, I have some Chinese people waking up. I literally am surprised when I get emails now. <laughs> There's people just like, oh, coming out of the woodworks, trying to set up orders now. Yeah. I think we got our first package, what? Monday. Monday, yeah. Two days ago. Yeah. And the last package we got was January, like, 2nd. And it's March. Something. March 4th. M- March, 4th. March 4th. So it's been two months. Dang, dude. Yeah. 
That's crazy. So David is the master technician kind of in charge of our like big thing servicing department, like our headphones and speakers and everything. Obviously, Joe was talking about how you guys have had to improvise with finding parts. What what role have you played in that? Like, how have you been talking to the technicians about like how to handle it with customers? Like, have we told our customers that it's going to be like a little bit of a delay or what's that look like? Yeah. So um, if we have a customer that needs a certain part, and we don't have it in stock, we just give them a little heads up that we are kind of behind because we're we're out of parts. We're gonna need to find other places to find parts. So a lot of them are cool with that. And like I said, we kind of order, we pre-order a lot of parts from different suppliers that, because even before the customer confirms, that way, you know, our lead time is a little less than, you know, waiting for the customer to confirm and then purchasing parts. Yeah. So exactly because we always have a little bit of a backlog of repairs. Yeah. So there's laying on the sh- shelves. We can already tell, or I can tell exactly what's broken, and I can go order those parts now. Nice. And then by the time the technician gets to them and the customer gets back to them, it's been only maybe a day yeah, or two. Yeah, we might have like a day left to yeah. wait. So nice. So it really hasn't hasn't affected the customer that much. We've just been scurrying around a little extra on the back end. That's that's correct. Not as much flow as what we're used to considering you know we do focus on flow in a lean company yeah um so have you you were saying that you've made these improvements on like ordering or you've just made changes on ordering like how often you order parts and that sort of stuff have have there been any other improvements or ideas you've had about like changing our process just because of this happening or anything that you realize like oh that's kind of a weak spot for us um other than just you know not receiving things i guess yeah when things break and things change it exposes weaknesses and uh, what I've noticed is our weaknesses in certain vital parts that we're already selling, and we do use them at the same time. When we consume them from both parts of it, where we're actually selling and using, selling and using, we got to make a higher reorder point. So that's my biggest improvement is finding those vital parts, changing the reorder point, points, and making sure that those specific parts are being ordered faster and in larger quantities. We're transitioning from, for example, the Studio 2 wireless model. For a lot of repairs, we used to get tons of those. We, now we have a bunch of headbands laying around. The Studio 3's magic has started coming in. Now our reorder points were half as much. Now we had to flip basically the order points we used to have for the Studio 2's to the Studio 3's. And we, we tried to flip it based off demand, but sometimes that kind of screws everything else up. So that's mainly what, what I've been doing is finding the vital parts, reordering larger batches, and then trying to trigger sooner. And we consolidate a lot of parts into one big shipment so we can save money on shipping. And because of that, sometimes that delays other parts because they're kind of waiting till we get a little list of stuff and then we go. And so it really comes down to reordering sooner and reordering larger quantities for specific parts that are higher in demand. And it just changes. We don't really know what it is. We just try to we we try to predict. And most of the time I'm wrong. So I'm still working on that. Yeah. So, David, what are some systems that, like, obviously there's things that needed to change and improvements that we made because of this kind of setback, but what are some things that you're great, like, systems that we already have in place to, to track things or to keep up with things that you're extra grateful for in this kind of partsless, partsless time of life? Um, the back stock was a good good idea to have because we have a lot of, we had a lot of uh, what we call the, uh, the backup inventory in the, the in bins over there. The non the missing grooves inventory. Yeah, that we yeah. we never really touched. But since the, um, our supply chain has kind of been disrupted, dwind- dwindling, 
you kind of had to start probing into those uh, dark corners of the warehouse, yeah. trying to find parts and do some mysterious parts. Matching. People have no idea what you're talking about, but everybody from the company definitely knows what you yeah. mean. <laughs> like, I know that corner. I know those we just have parts that are been chilling for you know a couple months couple years couple years, yeah. couple years. i remember when those got put in giant bags and shoved yep. under the vents yeah. in the corner yeah so that's the parts we had to open up nice. and get to yeah that's good taking some taking some excess off the shelves yeah that's right was there enough excess uh not for everything for yeah. sure but um we made it work exactly Nice. Joe, how about you? You have any systems that you're extra grateful for? I mean, with all the improvements we make as a company, like obviously there's a lot we can still do better, but we put in some good systems and I think it would help people to know like, you know, in a time like this, what sort of systems do we have that keep, you know, help you keep track of, of the inventory we have or just systems that you're grateful for that make this whole process easier, even though it's still hard. So a couple of different systems. So first off, when we need parts for a specific unit, we use Microsoft to do. So I'm really pumped that we have that because through there, we'll be able to tell where our flaws in our supply chain. We never want to be buying anything from the U.S. because it's going to cost us five times as much. So when I see a request coming in for a specific part, that's when I make the move to go ahead and try to source that part from its origin. And I'm happy that we have that because, one, we can buy the part in the U.S., get the customer's product fixed. But at the same time, we can build a knowledge base and start trying to build a supply chain directly to the source. So I'm really happy that we have that. Two, I'm happy that we have Skewvol. It's a great software. It keeps track of our inventory. But Skewvol is kind of also a double-edged sword because we're selling all our parts everywhere and also using them. And so that makes us really like crazy. If, if, the, if the part amount is small, if there's not a large pile, then one of our suppliers can quickly buy a bunch of parts and our, our supply is gone. And like we don't want to have a lot of stuff sitting around. Part, you know, Anything that sits, that waits, is losing money. So that, that's kind of one of the things where we have to find a balance. And I love the fact that we have these systems in place. And when something like this happens, it definitely exposes the flaws we have in the reordering system, which, you know, that means I, I just suck at my job. I got to get better at it. And over time, I think through experience, I'll be able to order, you know, the correct stuff. And generally, a lot of the internals, like we, we have a lot of the, you know, important components. But some other things that we typically have, we don't. I'm surprised we're not out of more things. Nice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, you know what's crazy? Imagine if this would have happened last year. Yeah, we we would be shut down for sure. Because now we have like four thing, four types of colors of headbands, and we haven't had a shipment for two months. Yeah, like that. But that's what's so frustrating is we're, we're so used to not having that happen that when it happens, we're like, "Whoa, this is this is crap! Like this sucks." Yeah. That's good. So the growth over time, we've been making some good changes that have made this a little easier on us. I think so. Yeah. Heck yeah. So what 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 specifically was different about last year? Was it just that we didn't have the <laughs> like the ordering systems in place? Or we the, don't have Skewball, right? We never had an inventory system. So that's been a nice one and a half year project. We're currently at three thousand unique SKUs within our software. We have two thousand more to go. So I'm guessing it's gonna take another year and a half. So we had no idea how much of what we had in stock. Literally just guessing. So it would have just been easy to be like, oh, we probably have enough of those. And then yeah. you realize, oh, there's only two left in there. Dang. We, and, and we had no Kanban levels. Hmm. We had something, but not the way we have it now. So we would just throw a card in front of like 20 pieces of whatever and hope that somebody would bring that card to us. 
But now we, we trained our team to understand Kanban means stop, stop, give the card to us, let us reorder this. And it definitely, it's definitely helping us out. You know, we know on that board, when we go to our Kanban board, our reorder board, we know exactly where our deficit is always at all times. Nice. So how does that, how do, do you want to explain that process a little more? Like how does the whole Kanban system work from, you know, the tech does a service, they go grab a part and then there's a Kanban card and they're like, how does that work? Where does the, the flow of that go? Yeah. So from a tech perspective, you want to. Yeah. So if we're using a part, um, we walk up to the parts, right? Um, we start pulling parts and at a certain point we get to a smaller bag or smaller section of the box that has parts inside a bag t- taped up as what we came up with so that no one um, if they actually pull apart the bag they need to physically take that card the reorder card take it to our sourcing department and have them order the part nice. so there's no no one like misses the card or anything it's all taped up in a in a bag solid so so there's no easy way to cheat and be like ah, oh, no. you know this is only one part in like y'all just, somebody else can do the kanban yeah. thing well you know the training of under telling people how important it is is i think one thing that helps like we talk about it hey people still make money and we still have screw-ups right but it's just so much on such a smaller level you know we may have one or two screw-ups where somebody doesn't pull it but when we just keep reinforcing and enforcing and reinforcing and enforcing the fact that you must give these to us, it happens more often. Like people are actually bringing their cards to us, you know, they understand how much extra hassle it causes them when they're running out of parts. So, yeah. Nice. So what's the flow after the tech opens the bag, grabs the Kanban card? Do they bring it to you? Do they, who do they bring it to? Where does it go from there? How does that work? So ideally it would make it to purchasing team, me or Daniel. We would take that card. We would scan the barcode and we'd create a purchase order and we would set that up on Skewvolt. Then we would check with our suppliers to see who has the best price. So we would set the purchase order up or we would first check and then set it up. Typically we know who has the best price. So we would just set up the purchase order, let the supplier know, and then add a couple more parts to the list. So we may compile 20 to 30 parts in one shipment and then we'll get that shipment in. Once the shipment comes in, we take the cards and we reset the level. If we got 200 of something and our Kanban level is 100, we would put all 200 into stock. We would take whatever is left and use that first. We're using the oldest stock goes out first, the newest stock stays. So if we have 200 that came in, we put 100 into a big bag, we lock it up and we're only using that other 100 on hand. Once we break the seal, the process starts again. We take the card, we reorder it, it comes in, we reset the level. Nice. And you said you keep all these Kanban cards organized on like a, what sort of, like a board you put them on or? Yeah, so we use a piece of sheet metal and all the Kanban cards have magnets. So we simply just put it on the con- on the board and we integrated our uh, barcode labels on there. It's really easy, you just scan it and you add the quantity. That's all the efficiencies we built out just through all the different improvements that we constantly are adding tons of improvements nice. so it makes it really easy to purchase something and then from an from a glance you can tell like hey this is our deficit this is all the parts that we need you know they may be out of stock they may not the idea is hopefully they're not out of stock yeah. you know we're, we're, we're preemptive we're, we're going ahead of time so we have a ton of cards there but out of all of those maybe five or six things are actually out of stock so it's actually really surprising we don't have more things but it's still frustrating like why the hell didn't we have more you know yeah it's tough 
Fair enough. Yeah. Have either of you guys talked to anyone else in business recently um, that has, you know, has either similar struggles with Lunar New Year or, you know, has experienced issues with coronavirus? And like, what did you guys talk about with them? Did you, do you have anything? Uh, yeah, actually, I have a funny story. So my fiance actually works at a medical medical field, and she actually also reorder a bunch of um, products, like, like face masks and stuff like that, mm. and uh, hand sanitizer or whatever, and the coronavirus kind of disrupted that. They're out of stock, everything, like, they can't order anything. Dang. So, you know, I mean, I was having ideas, you know, get some stuff from China, <clears throat> set up an order with them check this out so you bring that up right i literally got an email an hour ago email says check this out that's that is hilarious this is my my homie here <laughs> here's some pictures of you guys want to see some pictures here's yeah. some face masks face face. this is a guy that sells headphones <laughs> parts he responded hey friend Coronavirus has affected a lot of people. You want to start buying your face masks? Well, the I was reading an article about that. That the I think the World Health Organization issued a an urgent statement saying that the production of like sanitation products and like face masks should be upped by forty percent to deal with the the virus outbreak. Crazy. Because like for instance, all the grocery stores and stuff around yeah. here have limits in place where like customers can only buy like one disinfectant item mm -hmm. or like x amount of yeah. toilet paper paper towels or whatever so it's like the dang dude like this is a good time to be selling paper towels i guess and you, face masks you know what's interesting though uh, ebay if you're selling stuff on ebay you can't sell you the product right now more than market you can't really yeah there's actually a, amazon's kind of weird though a amazon's amazon they'll do whatever the hell they want <laughs> but ebay has a thing is if there's a tragedy mm -hmm. You can't inflate the price because of that. Hmm. Or else they'll shut your listing down. That's interesting. So you can't sell face masks for $50 each? You can in store, but not on eBay. I mean, I was looking on Amazon. There was like three three pieces or, or three face masks for like 50 bucks. 50 bucks? Yeah. Dang, are you serious? So I don't, know, I don't think that applies to Amazon. Yeah, yeah Amazon's like, nah. We're good. That like, just uh, recommended seller. Of course. Amazon, Amazon's yeah, yeah, Amazon favorite or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Joe, I know you've been talking with some people about you. You've been talking with Paul Akers from FastCap about some China stuff. How have you gone back and forth about supplies at all with him or anything? So I haven't necessarily done that with him, but what I find interesting is that all the people that are typically in China, none of them are there. Yeah. So right now, a lot of people are actually getting hired because all the people that usually hire are now in the U.S. So they'll have time to hire people. A lot of people are doing their paperwork. A lot of people are just doing the random stuff in the U.S. So a lot of a lot less people are traveling for sure. Yeah. Because a lot of my homies that are typically in China uh, or overseas are all in the U.S. right now chilling at home. And because of the, this virus, right, it's, ca it's causing a lot of issues, not just in the supply chain, but travel industry is obviously a big deal. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to get infected. Everyone's scared. And makes sense i mean people are dying that's pretty scary <laughs> yeah dude it's insane nine people are dead in seattle near the biggest city near us and like that's uh, it's like wow day like, insane insane but yeah i mean other than what we've talked about did you guys have anything else you've noticed just from that's changed in the business like has the atmosphere been a little different here with all the tension or, or what's been going on I don't know. I think everything is always, you know, changing and moving. I think what I find interesting is how uh, how opportunistic China is. So China, quote unquote, causes this issue. Obviously, they didn't, but it, it's the originations from there. And then now all their uh, suppliers are trying to sell me things to like, oh, it's everywhere now. Buy this thing from us to make it better. 
And so they're only just finding ways to make money left and right, no matter how they can. It's just one of the most interesting. I just I just saw that email come in today from one of my suppliers and it just made me like, man, China. Just like if you take a course on like who Chinese people are, like opportunistic, I think that would be the, the first thing I would see. Like we caused this virus. All right, now let's start selling masks. <laughs> How can we monetize this thing? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's cost us some money. Yeah, but generally, like, like people are talking about it right in the business, which is kind of interesting, and it, it kind of screws things up. But it's so it's nice because you know we get a chance to slow down a little bit, and then will allow us to speed up in the future. You know, a lot of training, a lot of cross training, a lot of logistical stuff, moving people around. Um, learning and just improving and I think all that stuff is really important and sometimes it's more difficult to do David right when it's busier so like when it slows down a little bit we really get it an opportunity to just kind of look back all right what sucks let's let's wrap this up we have a lot of projects we're like magically williams magically producing apple watches from literally nowhere like where did they come from where where were these a year ago (laughs) they've been sitting for a year and a half now you made 50 Apple Watches. That's so nice. And like, just because we didn't have any other inventory come in, magically, other things are being fixed. So yeah, it's just like the opportunity to do R&D and stuff, too. Exactly. Nice. So because of that opportunity to do R&D, R&D is great because of the growth. That's what grows. You know, R&D is our growth factor. And we get to mess around with new stuff. Davis, what kind of new stuff have you been messing with? Uh, recently, we've been, a while I've been messing with GoPros. Um those were also kind of sitting for a while and i think just a few weeks ago i just decided to give them a shot you know and found a process and it seems to be working so i think this will be one of our hot hot products pretty soon here yeah i think if we can move fitbits and gopros q2 it's going to be hot yeah because fitness trackers and action cameras that's going to be the category we're going to be pushing in Nice. So it's it's cool that you know David can do that. And David, a question for you: Basically, any product can be repaired, right? It's all about the process and the parts. Yeah, pretty much. If and you, glue. <laughs> yeah. Get the right glue. Yeah. Um, P seven thousand. P seven thousand. Actually, yeah, that's that's something I use for that repair. <laughs> but um, yeah, any product can be used or repaired. But I think the main thing you want to try to figure out is. But like big greatest success for a product would be if it happens often to that product and if you can fix that you don't want to find you know one-off uh, issues issues in a lot say gopros if they had a one-off issue and we just fixed those and weren't able to repair all the all the units that have the reoccurring issues then it's not really a viable product for us so that's kind of what the products that I'm aiming for and trying to find. Nice. And manufacturer issues, manufacturer defects, if they're common. defects, yeah. If they're common, that's where we plan can... Plan obsolescence. There you go. Plan a good old plan obsolescence. And then basically we can fix and that issue will never happen again. Yep. We know what's causing it. It's certain glue or something somewhere holding that specific thing back to make it to fail. And we fix it and then it will never happen again. I think that that's a huge value add. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have been staying. I think the the main takeaway it sounds like is is to not not just because everything gets a little slower or everyone's freaking out around you. You just got to take that opportunity to learn and grow and not like just sit on your haunches and be like, ah, oh, you know, it'll pick back up in a couple months. But actually, like 
how can we use this to kind of boost us forward? Like, even though it might be slow now, how can we come back even stronger than we, than we, you know, started this as? Yeah. And, and it gives us an opportunity to sell different things. It gives us an opportunity for me to focus on different things. And when we have product to sell, I'm looking at ways to sell it. If we don't have product to sell, I'm looking at parts to sell, which are more profitable and we can move more units. So it just, wherever I'm directing my time, you know, I think that, that, that changes. And, and it's nice that, we have so much different things that, you know, we have 3000 parts already minimum, right? We have another 2000 parts. So there's a lot of different things we can always be selling. And at the same time, because of this, you know, through this mentality of selling all these parts, we are now doing repair guides and Matt, you're doing that. You're driving traffic that way. Uh, we're doing YouTube videos because we have a little bit more time and we're making YouTube videos to repair stuff. We're making repair guides to repair stuff. And then we're trying to get the parts at a good price and then sell to the customer and then be able to ship them all in one day. And so being able to connect all that and when it's a little bit slower, it's much easier to process all that and just like set a really good process to go forward on it. Absolutely. Take the, take the break, find a little piece, find a rhythm, find a new rhythm. Exactly. Matt, what's been going on with you, man? Tell us the good news, the gospel. <laughs> Well, yeah, like you said, I've been doing some repair guides and it's been really awesome because we, I think for me personally, like watching, usually for, for watching a repair video, it's actually like kind of nice to sometimes just read it because you can go step by step a little easier and have kind of, it's nice to be able to throw in, you know, extra sentences that weren't necessarily a video of like, Hey, you know, make sure that you pull this thing that way, or you like pry this way so that you like don't break it and the tech didn't say that in the video but it's kind of like you can see it in a video but you can't really you know see that from like a screenshot and a written article and so trying to to find ways to phrase things well so that we can link those up to the videos and just provide another outlet for customers to uh, to be able to just fix their own stuff i think is really really important and what we've done is we've just like made made that more prominent on our website is by just putting repair guides like right up at the top bar just along with everything else it's like here's our repair guides here's some common questions um, and just really trying to hit that hard so that every repair video we have also has a written version because then you know people can find that if they google it it'll show up that sort of thing i think that's really important just finding ways to to kind of take the same piece of content and then make it more visible to people you know obviously like you said at the morning meeting this morning we're kind of empowering people by offering them these repair videos and repair guides to learn how to fix their own stuff and so making that kind of more friendly to people that might want to read something and or watch a video i think is is really important just to kind of diversify our, our creative in that way but i've been working on that and then i've also been working on just trying to make our customer service more efficient. So the thing that I'm still working on doing um, kind of side by side with the repair guides is we use a software called Zendesk for our customer service and it has, they have a service called AnswerBot and I think I've mentioned this yep. to you, but it's essentially an AI that can respond to stuff if you have articles written. And so I wanna get that turned on here probably by the end of the month so that our customer service team, we get a lot of repetitive questions. And so having the ability to have something auto respond for us just means that the customer service rep has to respond to less messages, can take more time on them or learn new skills or that sort of thing. So just trying to, to make everything as efficient as possible while still also offering the customer a, a a better experience because the cool thing about having an autoresponder is over the weekend when we're not here if somebody sends a just a generic question and they need an answer to it because they've asked the question you know the autoresponder gets back to them right away and it offers them some help and if they can fix their own problem just over the weekend while we're out of the office then that's just a better experience for the customer or even if they're in like a different time zone or the other side of the world or something you know 
I think it's just going to be a, a better experience. So, and along with that, I also just set up an automated phone system for us. So I ha I need to talk to Michael about this still, but our, our phone call guy that handles all the phone calls used to just get, he, him and I talked about this and he was like, man, I just get like all the same questions. Like people are like, how do I send my stuff in? And it's like, man, we've, we've found that, like the answers as we put them like everywhere that we can. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if people ask us like, how do I send my electronics in for repair or, you know, what's the, the process or whatever. And it's like, man, we, we have the information so freely available, but clearly it's not and it's not available enough. Yeah. And so what we did was just set up a, an IVR system. So when they call in, it just has a few options. And a lot of people still just click through to talk to a, a human because they don't want to listen to an automated recording or anything. But we do have just options to answer all those general questions so that it keeps our phone lines more free for the important questions that, that really need to be answered over the phone. So that's the sort of stuff I've been working on. And I think especially right now, it's great that we're not, you know, I'm not as involved in the everyday operations, but having the ability to kind of free up time for people that are involved in them more is pretty, I feel like that's pretty worthwhile. Yeah. So the, our systems this year are like 50 million times better than last year. Oh yeah, for sure. Last year was no Zendesk, yeah. no Skewball, no yeah. nothing. Like we, we started the year just setting up Zendesk basically. Insane. I don't even think we had Wonderlist or... We, we had something else. Do. Yeah. What, didn't we have something else We were for using Asana, weren't we? Oh, we were... Uh, oh, oh, yeah. You set that up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so cool. The processes are a lot better, oh, and man. we're just taking this time to, to learn to handle those processes even better. It's great. Uh, our capacity level is significantly higher. We can handle a lot more work with a lot less people because of the systems and put in place. So I'm really pumped about that. Uh, one thing also update on our website, new repair form, mm. our uh, Korean ninja, Dennis Pilot, shout out, what up, hope the coronavirus is not killing you. Yeah. yeah, I hear South Korea is getting hit hard right now, so. Yeah, poor Dennis. <laughs> Side hustle, Dennis, sell masks, I know a guy, <laughs> but yeah, he launched our new software, we had some issues with it, of course, with any great software, woohoo, a bunch of issues, he got them all fixed. Customers are sending stuff in. Seems to be easier. Seems to be simpler. Much sexier. That's for sure. And we'll, we, we track how much incoming packages we have, obviously. So it's really cool that we were able to launch that software. Um, it's only been about 12 months in production again. So that that's fun. But everything else seems to be good. It's all working, which is awesome. I'm really excited about that. He did a really good job with getting it up and going and making it more scalable. So we can handle about 10 times the amount of requests than we, our old software was able to handle. I think we did like 6,000 repairs last year, incoming repairs just, just for individual customers. I don't remember. Anyways, a large amount. We can basically do 10 times that now with this new software. Our other software was breaking and, and just fun things were happening. It's duplicating things and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, of course, it's still in works. It, you know, it still needs work, but man, it's so much better than it was. And I'm really excited about the scalability of it. And that's awesome. And we've also added new repairs. We've added some Bose headphones repairs, some new ones, AE2, QC35, um, QC25, which is really exciting. Any other new stuff you remember us adding? We added the Bose or Beats Solo Pro Wireless. We're now repairing those. Any other stuff. updates? No. 
I think we're pretty solid. If if we're done with the updates and the topic, do, do you guys have any jokes or funny stories from this week or just recently? David is a joker. David, tell us no. a story. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to David for yeah. being the most enthusiastic person oh, in yeah. the morning meetings. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. Sometimes it's tough. But I'm not a morning person, that's for sure. Yeah. Especially since we all have a morning meeting at 7. Yeah. I'm up like at 4.15 trying to catch the oh, sun man. and these guys rolling at 728 barely making it in uh, but we're working me, sir, on i got it. here before you this morning <laughs> hey i have an hour drive matt don't worry man <laughs> and it, it's been interesting with this new coming in earlier thing it's kind of fun everyone's usually out by three o'clock yeah. so that's that's fun uh, another change point we we are now shipping out all packages within one day or the same day which is awesome that's a huge value add to our customers you know anybody buys anything it's going to go out the same day that's so cool and funny joke speedy world so all right any funny jokes protaz is really good with jokes man i came up with one that was super oh, cheesy about the coronavirus oh okay <laughs> knock knock who's there corona corona who <laughs> corona lime I'm sure <laughs> i didn't say coronavirus <laughs> it doesn't really work but uh yeah boom boom drop the mic take away have a good stock of all the vital parts that you have and hopefully over two months of supply would be nice. Yes. Two months plus. Two months plus. Lead time. Two months plus coronavirus time. Dude, yeah. The crazy. Never thought this would ever happen uh, next year. Going to basically buy out all of China. Oh, heck parts, yeah. And then just jack up the price in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. Sweet. Anything, any any closing words? Any final tidbits? Uh, this podcast is sponsored by Joe's GE. Oh, yeah. Buy your refurbished electronics from the ninjas at Joe's. We actually repair the stuff we sell, which is pretty awesome. And you guys can support us by buying products from us. If you need your electronics repaired, we'd be more than happy to fix it for you. We have a repair services page on our website that has all that information. We also have a free YouTube channel for all your needs. And if you guys have any comments on different podcasts you guys want made, we have a lot of awesome people here that are f- super funny, almost to a point where it's a little scary. So we have like a lot of awesome people that would be more than happy to make any kind of podcast about like the end of the world or like creation and stuff. Like there's so many great ideas or just business stuff that works too. Yeah. You all get down with business. Word. All right. Well, this is Matt signing out. This is Joe. Peace. This is David signing out. Bye-bye. Adios. Look at that. How long is that? I don't know what time it is. Yo, Davis, I was thinking, you know how you guys needed the boards?